0: Truth News Network A political party is willing to crash an entire country just to get rid of one man. What are they so afraid of? And how come nobody's asking that question? Well, one man is in the relentless pursuit of the truth. You've reached TNN, the Truth News Network, and here's the man asking the tough questions, Dan Newman. You know, isn't that scripture really appropriate, applicable right now? You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Here's our problem. What's truth and what isn't? Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. Yes, we are here. It's Thursday. We've got one more day, and then we're going to celebrate a weekend that morphs into 2024 on Monday. Just a heads up. Thinking ahead, Monday, New Year's Day, there will be no TNN live show, and we'll be back in the saddle, ready and raring to go, and covering everything we may have missed over the weekend. We'll be here as always, Monday through Friday, every week, with the exception of this coming Monday. Until then, we got a bunch of stuff that uh, looks like things are a changing. Actually, I've got a grim. I, want to, I don't want to call it a prophecy, but a grim story prediction maybe would be applicable I'm going to share with you during the show today, and it has to do with each and every one of us, and it's important, and many, many things are being exposed on the national and international level. We're going to dig into a bunch of that. It involves, guess who? Joe Biden, Kim Jong-un, Israel, Hamas. And me and you, we've got a full show, so sit tight. We'll be right back.
1: Moody star, or maybe even a Indian chief At it. the car wash Working at the car wash, yeah Come on and sing it with me Car wash Sing it with the feeling of
2: Car wash, yeah
1: Woo! Come some of the work get kinda hard And this ain't no place to be If you do planned on being a star Let me tell you, it's always cool And the boss don't mind sometimes if you're at the food At the car wash Talking about the car
2: wash, yeah
1: Come on, y'all, and sing it for me Car wash
2: Car wash, yeah Work and work
1: Well, those cars never seem to stop
0: like a car wash and turn it into a number one big musical hit that's what rose royce did many many years ago lots of good stuff happens at the car wash all the time doesn't it (laughs) somebody had too much time on their hands that's all i can say uh get to work do something productive and of course they write a multi-million dollar song well how are you doing today holiday week still with us You still in the holiday spirit? Well, let me tell you what's going on around the world. Things are not looking good for the United States of America on many fronts. and We could sit here and just rehash them all, but I'm not going to do that. I just want to point some things out during the show today for informational purposes only. I'm not going to beat anybody or anything to death. I don't want to do that, but there are some things we need to touch on that continue to be important and will continue to be important unless and until somebody does something about them. And the somebody, yep, you're right. It's our president, Joe Biden. I guess you've heard lately that Joe has finally made the decision he better do something about the southern border. But what he chose to do was kind of stupid. He sent people to Mexico to meet with the Mexican governor, uh, the president of Mexico, not the governor, to talk about going back and assisting America one more time, doing something to, you know, make it a little better at our southern border, and offered to pay him, the president of Mexico, a bunch of money to do so. So, listen to what happened. Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, that's the president's name down there. He hinted to a couple of people in the U.S. delegation, he's going to reduce migration to the United States, but there's an if that goes with it. If President Biden gives more aid and support, not to Mexico, but to Latin American dictators, dictators, now, why would Oberdor be doing this unless there is some kind of cartel in Central and South America of dictators who have gotten together and they're ganging up on the United States of America? Instead of blocking migration, it's more efficient and more humane to invest in the development of the people. That's what Oberdor said. The migration issue is going to intensify, and he said that, the president of Mexico. Mexico has the upper hand this time around. That was in a tweet from Auden Cabello, a Mexico-based journalist who covered the December 27th meeting between Biden's deputies and Obrador, often called AMLO, Cabello continued. AMLO knows U.S. elections are around the corner, and immigration is a number one top issue. The U.S. is desperate for Mexico's help to stem migrant flow. AMLO is going to capitalize by demanding more aid funding and ask the U.S. to invest in the root causes, Cuba, Venezuela, and Nicaragua, instead of walls. I don't know where this came from, but it centers around one thing and one thing only. Give us some money. Give us some more money, and we're going to tell you what else you got to do. All three of those countries, Cuba, Venezuela, and Nicaragua, they're run today by left-wing dictators. They're already exporting their people to work in the United States. And yeah, a bunch of those people are coming here illegally. Every month, Biden's progressive deputies already are waving through roughly 22,000 workers from those three dictatorships, who then help the dictators by sending money home from their low-wage U.S. jobs. That money also funds and motivates additional illegals to head to the United States. Secretary Antony Blinken, oh, man, he's just got it going on. He's the guy with the vision, right? Here's what he tweeted yesterday. The U.S.-Mexico partnership is crucial to prosperity and also security in our countries and throughout the Americas. Good to discuss these issues and our shared efforts to reduce irregular migration with President Obrador. Doesn't that make you feel warm and fuzzy? And then Anthony Blinken again. The U.S.-Mexico partnership is crucial to prosperity and security in our countries and throughout the Americas. Good to discuss these issues. He repeated the tweet twice. This year, Biden and his pro-migration deputies admitted roughly 4 million illegals across the southern border, deported only about 500,000, The vast illegal inflow welcomed in from Mexico is on top of the legal immigration of about a million a year, the inflow of roughly one million legal, you got that, legal visa workers and the rising number of people who overstay their legal visas. They just don't get them renewed and they just stick here. Total inflow this year added up to roughly five and a half million or roughly three migrants For every two American births, this business-backed Democrat-protected invasion, it's wrecking Democrats' political support nationwide, especially in big cities like Chicago and New York City. Democrat Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson, he said this yesterday, it's the entire country that is now at stake if Congress doesn't pass a pathway to citizenship for the millions of illegal migrants pouring across the southern border. Well, guess what? Mr. Mayor, there's already a fix for this whole thing. None of this would have happened, none of it, if the president, the current president of the United States, when he took office, did not just pull the border down and just... Throw it away. Open it up down there. These idiots that go to Washington, D.C., supposedly representing the people of their respective districts and states, they go up there and the dollar signs begin to flash in their brains. Money. Money. Money is the root of this entire immigration charade that is not immigration. It's bring low-educated, poor people to the United States who are willing to do anything for a dollar. Who makes money when that happens? Big, wealthy corporations. Well, what do those wealthy corporations do with all that money they're making? Well, they'll pay these low-level, uneducated people they'll pay them less than they were paying the american people the american people what are they going to do they're going to be struggling to make ends meet kind of like we're doing now you know what the average american was paying on a house either a lease or a mortgage payment the day joe biden was elected president the average across the nation was 1700 1700 bucks you know what it is today Thank you, Uncle Joe. My basic home cost, whether I lease or buy, has almost doubled since you've been president. So Biden's decision to open the border leaves him with no leverage now over Mexico. Obrador knows he has the power to wreck Biden's 24 campaign. How? accelerate worldwide migra- migration into our nation. The delegation didn't include the president. <laughs> I don't know if he was scared to go or if he didn't have enough depends that he could make it on the trip. I'm That's crass. I shouldn't have said that. Could be true, though. It was led by Antony Blinken, who's pro-migration, our Secretary of State, and his pro-migration Cuban-born border chief, that would be... Alejandro Mayorkas. Obrador knows both men support this mass migration into the U.S. and will not try to punish Mexico for its policy of helping it deliver wage-cutting, rent-spiking migrants into America across the country. Obrador also knows Biden wants to further outsource the management of the border rather than face down his pro-migration supporters during this election year. Biden, he can't even run the border or hire people that are educated, knowledgeable, and committed to the rule of law sufficient to just do what the law says should be done at the southern border. Novel idea. You can tell all your friends about this and tell them it came from Dan at TNN Live. I will do everything you want me to do at the southern border. This is what Joe Biden should tell us. I'm going to do it all. We're going to do it all. If our law enforcement at the federal level and every entity in law enforcement below the Department of Justice agrees to 100% enforce the rule of law, if you do that, we will consider doing some legislative changes through the people's representatives, you know, the House of Representatives and the Senate and Congress, where it's all supposed to go. Nobody up there has any unilateral power to do anything that changes or thumbs their noses at the law. Nothing should be done at the southern border unless and until These people in the Biden administration are either forced to start enforcing the law or are fired and find somebody else that wants to enforce the law. There are tens of thousands of Border Patrol agents at the southern border that are crying for this administration to enforce the laws. They know. They saw it work. When Donald Trump was a president, it was working well until the first day of the Biden administration when he threw the southern border open and said, y'all, come on in. The definition of insanity. They've been doing the same thing for three years now, every day, and They've lost control now. They won't admit it, but they've totally lost control. We have no control over our southern border. Now, we're going to keep going with this, but I told you at the top of the show, if you were with me then, during the show today, I have a dire, very serious statement, prediction, I'm going to give to you based upon hours and hours of research that we have done here. And it's not pleasant, but it's a warning for all of us. And the circumstances, the dire circumstances, we'll talk about in detail in our second hour. Yesterday's broadcast of CNN this morning, one of those brain surgeons that somehow got elected as the mayor of Chicago, Brandon Johnson, he was asked a question on an uptick in the most violent crime categories in the city this year. And he stated that homicides and shootings have fallen and money for restoration and reparations will help address the cycle of violence in the city. He was on CNN this morning. Co-host Poppy Harlow asked him, I do want to ask you about crime in Chicago, just pouring through the latest data from the Chicago police. The murder rate is down from 2022. But all other forms of violent crime, Mr. Mayor, are up from a year ago, up 17%. Are Chicagoans going to be safer in 2024? And the mayor responded, Well, what I've built within these last seven months in order for us to have a better, stronger and safer Chicago, it really requires the full force of government. As you've indicated, he continued, homicides are down, shootings are down. But yes, what we've experienced here in Chicago, cities all over the country are experiencing, and I've just released my full-out community safety plan that not only gets at the root causes of violence in the city of Chicago— but we're making critical investments. Those investments look like what I've presented in my last budget, a quarter of a billion dollars to address homelessness, 100 million for violence prevention. We added 80 million more dollars to our youth employment program, of which we hired 25,000 young people just this summer. That's a 20% increase from the previous year. I'm going to hire 4,000 4,000 additional young people this summer. We've stood up an entire office dedicated to re-entry. So individuals who are returning to our communities, who have been incarcerated because of failed policies, (laughs) they throw people in jail because of bad policy? No, they're thrown in jail when they break the law. But these far lefties, they don't see it that way. And you remember what I said at the top of the show? Definition of insanity, doing the same crap over and over again, expecting different crap. These people are lunatics. (laughs) Oh, gosh. We'll have a welcoming space for these incarcerated people that went to prison because they broke the law. And we'll just give them the chance to do it again. And then we'll pat them on the back when they get out of jail for the second time. Everybody deserves a second, a third, a fourth, or fifth chance. I've added half a million dollars, he said, for restoration and reparations. Ooh. To address again the cycle of violence, which looks like school closings. The closing of mental health facilities, in which I've invested in now. We're going to open up two mental health clinics that were closed from two previous administrations ago. And so, in order for us to build a better, stronger, safer Chicago, it requires investments. And that's what this budget has done. Wow, that sounds like a stump speech for a president wannabe. Has he stopped the crime? Quote, violent crime in Chicago is up 17% overall from a year ago, and he's claiming victory. Why? Because he said he's invested in it, and he's paying people reparations, supposedly to be reparations, but he's begging them to stop breaking the laws. We'll give you money. We'll call it reparations, but it's payback for something uh, uh, we don't owe you for, but would you please quit hurting other people? We're not in a really good place right now. (laughs) I I think anybody that says we are is smoking something, and it's probably illegal what they're smoking, even if it's legal. (laughs) It's getting to their brains. So Biden now... He's telling us, he's showing us, he's not just telling us, he's all in to shut the southern borders and to get this mess taken care of. He is so all in, he went to Camp David with his flock for the Christmas weekend, and two days ago, he jumped on Air Force One, the little one, the big one. There's not enough runway in St. Croix in the Bahamas for it to land on. So the little one, the one that the vice president normally uses, and he took the same flock, and they're in St. Croix for a week. Now, let me tell you what they measure a week to be. They went down yesterday or the day before. What's today, Thursday? I think they went down Tuesday. Okay, so they had Christmas Monday, packed their panties, got on Air Force One, got on the jet, And took off to St. Croix. And here's how they define what a week is. In Biden's speech. It was Tuesday. Yesterday was Wednesday. Today's Thursday. They're not coming back until Thursday. Thursday? That's today. Next Thursday. (laughs) The guy doesn't even work. The Department of Justice. On Biden's request, and listen, nothing he talks to the DOJ about is ever a request. It's a demand. He tells Attorney General Merrick Garland what to do, period. The DOJ is asking immigration judges at the southern border to treat cases involving migrants under the age of 21 as part of a child docket that loosens restrictions on court absences? And that's all in a recent memo. Immigration judges should make special considerations when young migrants fail to appear in court, the DOJ memo reads. This memo is just another way for the Biden administration to further their agenda of dismissing cases and avoiding removals for illegal aliens, instructing immigration judges to be more like, oh, I don't know, counselors than an enforcer of the law that Congress has written and a president has signed into law. It directs judges to handle cases about these migrants with less scrutiny, give them second chances if they fail to show up to their court appearances. As part of a new juvenile docket for such cases. The number of unaccompanied migrants crossing the southern border continues at record highs. That's according to Congressional Research Service. This Executive Office of Immigration Review memo is just another way for Biden to further his agenda of just dismissing cases, avoiding removals for illegal aliens, instructing immigration judges to be more like counselors, than an enforcer of the laws. They're pushing the envelope using children. A sympathetic class of people. But in reality, this dedicated docket's going to cover adults who should be subjected to immediate removal and ensure they're given every chance to seek some other form of relief to avoid deportation. In other words, we want to just open the border up, let all these people, every one of them that want to come in, y'all just come on in. We're going to give you a notice to appear. It won't be dated until eight years from now. That is what date all of these illegals that are checking in at the southern border and they want to make an asylum claim, they get a notice to appear and the the Shortest wait to come back and have that case heard before a judge is now in 2031. Eight years. And you think they're going to come back? No. What Biden. And other Democrats are hoping and praying for number one, we gotta get a majority back in the House. We gotta keep the majority and expand it in the Senate. And oh my God, we can't have Donald Trump or some other Republican in the White House. We've gotta keep Joe Biden in the White House. We'll prop him up. We'll do a new a new version of Bernie's weekend. When Bernie died the first day and nobody that celebrated during that weekend knew Bernie was dead, we're going to do all that, and we hope that we'll get there and we'll just tear up all this crap that we're trying to con the American people, telling them we're going to do this and this and this. We're just going to make them all citizens. We'll get Congress together. We'll have a big party on the... uh, the lawn of the White House will let all these illegals come in and wave the magic wand over their heads and saying, you are now a legal citizen of the United States of America. Give me another excuse. Tell me another reason they would be doing this. This memo instructs judges to make special considerations when these young migrants don't show up for their court hearings. When they can't be located because of an unreported change of address or an overlooked request to make such a change, they give them a 30-day extension to verify the location of the migrant, and it'll be requested, and of course they'll give it to them. A judge will then proceed with the case if the young migrant fails to appear at the next hearing and can order them removed in their absence. That's according to the memo. The creation of a juvenile docket is going to help address mounting concerns of human trafficking involving children entering the country illegally. This one, when I saw this, this paragraph, I'll repeat it so you got it. The creation of a juvenile docket will help address mounting concerns of human trafficking involving children entering the country illegally. Let me ask you an adult question. What will a juvenile docket do for the kid? The one that is here, unaccompanied and here, the only reason that kid is here is to be sold and trafficked in the United States or shipped somewhere else in the world. And that has been proven to be happening every day since Joe Biden's been in the White House. 80,000 unaccompanied juveniles that we turned over to some of these non-governmental organizations that we paid billions to for them to place these children in safe atmospheres with good people, foster homes. 80,000 of them are unaccounted for right now. Nobody wants to answer a question. Where are they? In fact, they refuse to. They just say, oh, they're there. We're just just organizing the paper to put it in order so we can know exactly where they are. But they're all there. They were taken care of. We placed them in the right places. And those are good people. People like Catholic charities. That all came out six months ago. Have you seen the follow-up report about where those kids are? No. And there are even more now. We're told that in cases where a kid shows signs they're a victim of trafficking or abuse or neglect, DHS and the Department of Health and Human Services Office of Refugee Resettlement may, this is in the new memo, they may open a probe into the matter. They may. The issue of trafficking has received much more attention after the New York Times reported on the exploitation of migrant kids released to HHS-vetted sponsors who end up working, oh, I don't know, in unsafe slaughterhouses and factories. You know, Joe's trying to set our operation to run just like his buddy Xi Jinping does over in China. Kids work from sunup to sundown, and they give them maybe 50 cents to a dollar a day. Oh, but look at all that money those big money funders of government are going to have extra so they can pay us. Quid pro quo, Joe. Quid pro quo. The administration gives the impression that it's concerned about these kids, mandating, for example, that ICE attorneys will request a 30-day continuance when children fail to appear in court. But you can see in the same document, the administration wrote only that DHS and HHS may initiate investigations into potential trafficking, abuse, or neglect. And that's coming from the former ICE chief of staff under the Trump administration, John Fear, who now serves as the director of investigations for the Center for Immigration Study. Why not command that to happen? And why exactly hasn't ICE launched massive investigations into the worksite abuses of these minors that were uncovered by the New York Times in multiple exposés? And the New York Times is not some beautiful conservative rag in the news world, is it? They can't even get the administration to pop up and give us an answer. There's no doubt the Biden administration's anti-border policies have been a boon for child exploitation, yet ICE hasn't had a single press conference announcing any arrest of those involved, nor has HHS. That's Javier Becerra. You remember him? He's from California. He has no experience in dealing with health matters or kids whatsoever, but he's in charge of making sure these kids are taken care of. When he was asked six months ago to get answers, nobody's heard a peep. It's just one travesty after another. One after another. There's a new one every day. Here's one that I think very few people thought was going to happen, and you're not probably going to hear anything about it anywhere else but here. A federal judge yesterday sided with a Native American tribe in a dispute with a major wind developer. And this this is a federal judge now. He handed a massive defeat to the wind industry. And it looks like it may even... End the big wind industry. U.S. Court International Trade Judge Jennifer Cho Groves ordered Enel, a major green energy company based in Rome with an American office, of course. You know, we've got to have an American presence so everybody will think we're an American company. He ordered them to tear down an enormous wind farm that the firm had constructed in Osage County, Oklahoma, over the consistent protest of the Osage tribe who live there. And this is coming out of the Tulsa world. The ruling is a big victory for the Osage tribe who opposed the project because of its location relative to burial sites and the ecological damage inflicted upon eagles by the massive turbines and a stark defeat for Enel, this company, which is now staring down hundreds of millions of dollars in decommissioning charges. This wind farm had been the subject of a very lengthy and bitter battle between the Osage Nation and the developer, developer, spanning back all the way to 2011, when the tribe filed a lawsuit in a federal court alleging the development illegally deprived the tribe of access to the mineral rights for the minerals beneath the site of the project how big is this thing? 84 turbines, as well as required equipment like transmission lines, weather towers, spread over 8,400 acres of land that the judge asserted was leased illegally and to the detriment of the tribe's sovereignty. There will be a trial for damages following the judge's ruling. I'd like to get some popcorn and go sit in and be there for that trial. Notably, Enel, this big wind company, states on its website that it exhibits an unmatched commitment to sustainability and a just and inclusive energy transition for all. The head of Enel Green Power North America also serves as the director for the American Clean Power Association. That sounds benign, very climate activist green energy kind of crap, you know. They're actually a green energy trade group that has spent millions lobbying the federal government to advance the interest of the green energy industry. The ordered deconstruction of those 84 wind turbines, it's unprecedented. That's according to Robert Bryce. Hadn't seen that before. He's an energy sector expert. He also keeps track... Of local rejections of major renewable energy projects across the country. He estimates the company stood to reap tens of millions of taxpayer dollars in subsidies for the project. A dynamic which he thinks at least partially is responsible for the firm's insistence to keep building and keep operating the project despite the persistent objections of the tribe. I hope no other tribe has to do what we had to do. That's Osage Minerals Council Chairman Everett Waller referencing the tribe's long legal battle against the project. This is a win not only for the Osage Mineral Council, this is a win for Indian country. There are a lot of smaller tribes that couldn't have battled this long, but that's why we're Osages. We're here, and this is our homeland, and we're going to protect it at all costs. So... Green energy stuff, it's all good. It's all wonderful. It's necessary. We've got to get the United States going total green energy and then whisper. So the only people that can hear this, Joe Biden speaking, of course, is, hey, all you green energy sycophants, just be quiet. Give me a call. We'll talk offline. We're just telling them what we're doing. What we're really doing is spending more taxpayers' money and getting you to pay us all under the table.
3: <clears throat> Off to, gang, and showtime! Uh, do you know this guy? I'm not gonna cry, am I?
0: Only if you don't believe in the power of friendship. Really? You guys are good.
4: (laughs) Movies, right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix.
0: That's so cute, it's stupid. We got you something.
4: It's a deep, deep dish pepperoni and bacon pizza. And we gift wrapped it with over three and a half feet of bacon. You've been working so hard. We love you. Get a Little Caesars large bacon wrapped deep, deep dish pizza for just 12 bucks. Try our convenient app and pizza portal pickup. Pizza, pizza.
2: For over 75 years, people have saved money with
3: yeah oh, oh, sorry here we go from the top and action
2: for over 75 years people have saved money with gecko so it. what what did i say gecko i said gecko Ah. Oh. for over 75 years
3: <laughs> keep it together i'm good i'm good <clears throat> for
2: over 70 <laughs> what are you doing there stop making me laugh
3: geico saving people money for over 75 years
0: <laughs> don't look at me don't look at me Subway Restaurants Storytime Theater proudly presents Jack and the Beanstalk. fee fi, fo, I smell the... Uh, I smell, uh, something delicious. Hey, little fella, what you got there?
3: Oh, this? It's the Big Hot Pastrami Sub from Subway
0: Restaurants. Mmm, that does look tasty. It sure is. Climbing that Beanstalk out there makes you hungry. Uh, You mind if I have a bite? Sure! I'll trade
3: you for that goose over there with the golden eggs.
0: You got a deal! Hungry for something big? Then pick up a big hot pastrami sub from Subway restaurants. Layer upon layer of delicious hot pastrami stacked high and toasted to flavorful perfection on freshly baked bread. Topped with pickles, mustard, and melted Swiss cheese, it's the perfect way to satisfy any giant-sized appetite. Big Hot Pastrami, available at participating restaurants for a limited time only. See restaurants for details. Subway, eat fresh. I like the group Chicago. And they go way, way, way back. Different kind of group. They kind of fit into their own niche. Nobody out there really had that sound. It's kind of like the Eagles. They fall into that same category. Anyway, we're going to close the show today with one of the Chicago's biggest hits, Saturday in the Park, which is another goodie that I have no idea where it came from and how the writers of it came up with that. But it's, it it really is calm and calm and relaxing. That comes from an era when we had just come through Vietnam and got that all put away. We weren't at war anywhere, and it seemed like we had some peace in the world, so much so that we could just write a song and talk about having a good day, a Saturday in the park. Boy, we lost that a long time ago. We don't have many of those now. Of course, dominating the news almost every day is, what's happening to Donald Trump? I hate to even bring this stuff up. Let me just say this. None of this is going to stick, folks. None of this is going to stick. You know why it's not going to stick? He didn't do anything wrong. Manufacturing allegations doesn't mean somebody did anything wrong. Of course, we know about what the Colorado Supreme Court did. They took him off the ballot for the primaries in Colorado And yesterday, interesting, the Republican Party of Colorado filed an emergency brief with the U.S. Supreme Court. So now there literally is a confrontation over that. There are 14 other such cases pending across the nation. A lot of these hardcore leftists in states They just saw what was happening and and said, hey, this is a way to get rid of the orange man. Let's just pile on and do what everybody else is doing. Supreme Court takes this up. I am positive, and many other experts are too. You're going to hear from Jonathan Turley in just a minute, especially about what happened yesterday. I don't know if you heard, but the Michigan Supreme Court, they vindicated Donald Trump and made, there was a suit there that made their way up to the, high court in Michigan, and they said, no, you can't take him off the election ballot. So he is in for sure, but whatever happens to Colorado, and it's going to happen quickly. In fact, it might happen during next week. The Supreme Court knows they've got to act quickly, and many experts think it's going to be a 9-0 vote at the Supreme Court which is basically going to say, you can't do that. You can't take the vote out of the people's hands. You just can't do that. Now, let me put something in context before we move on. I've got a good story about this uh, Donald Trump stuff, another one. But before, let let me just point something out. These people that are lathering to find ways to put Trump down, Look at what he did. Well, he did what? He started an insurrection? He's guilty of an insurrection? Well, let me see. That, uh, what court issued that? When they tried him for that? When he was charged with that? Jack Smith, the special counsel, he charged him with that? Was that one of those numerous cases that he has filed? None of which have anything that have stuck yet. And most experts say none of it is going to, but... He did charge him for insurrection, and he was tried for that? No, hadn't been charged with it. Certainly not convicted of it. Can you imagine how stupid those Colorado Supreme Court justices have got to feel knowing that after they did that, patted each other on the back and said, we're going to get rid of the orange man, and then it swept across the nation. And tens of millions of Americans are laughing at Colorado and those Supreme Court judges because it doesn't take much to see what is really going on, why these people are doing it. They have no love or care for the democracy of the United States. If they did, what would they do? They would make sure with every case they take up And when they hear a case and come up with an answer for whatever the litigants are looking for, they always come down on the sign of the people. What people, Dan? The citizens of who they represent. In Colorado, that would be Coloradans. I don't know if you know this or not, but there are several million people in Colorado that voted for Donald Trump. And they're probably, certainly, I can say almost without question, certainly they and others, more than before, will vote for Donald Trump in 2024. So let me get this straight. These people, these leftists, these hardcore Democrats, they're suborning, in other words, they're supporting, kicking a man off the ballot, and depriving millions of their citizens to have the right to vote for who they want to vote for. And look at what we're doing. We're screaming and hollering and threatening countries in South and Central America that have leaders, and we're screaming at them for doing what? thwarting the votes of the citizens of those countries. And we're screaming and hollering at them publicly and do that and have been for years. You've got to be a democracy. Look at the United States. Look how it works here. And we have a Supreme Court at the state level that is destroying democracy with their finding. Up in Michigan yesterday, their Supreme Court, by the way, it's a very Democrat, hardcore Democrat state. And these justices... In Michigan most of are Democrats and they said this is stupid you can't take the vote away from people The Democrats they say Donald Trump wants to do and he has given us bundles of things to point to that prove he is an anti-democratic guy he wants to be a dictator I've asked this on the show a multiple number of times. Please, just send me a text or an email. Come on the show. Name one or two things that Donald Trump did that were anti-democratic. Why don't you, while you're looking, why don't you compile a list of things that, by definition, the same definition you're using to say that Donald Trump is anti-democratic, point over to the other side and look at what Joe Biden has done and be honest with yourself. You don't have to send it. Be honest with yourself and compare the two. What has Joe Biden done that's anti-democratic, which means done by one person unilaterally in total disregard of the people's representatives where it's supposed to go and be decided. Consultants and a previous special counsel for the impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump, they argued yesterday a Trump conviction would hand Joe Biden an advantage during a potential 2024 matchup. Oh, my gosh. They're lathering at the mouth. Recent polling shows Trump maintains a big lead over Biden But voters signal a shift when asked what they would do if Trump were convicted. Democrats Norman Eisen, Celinda Lake, and Anat Shinker Osorio wrote in the New York Times that developing criminal cases and legal challenges to the former president's candidacy offer a negative lens to which the Americans may view Mr. Trump. Of course, again, they said, this is all hypothetical. But the polls give us sufficient data to conclude that felony criminal convictions, especially for attacking democracy, will foreground the threat that Mr. Trump poses to our nation and influence voters in an election-defining way, they wrote. Oh my gosh, they know, though. And of course, again, that's from the New York Times. A Wall Street Journal poll from earlier this month shows Trump in the lead by 4 points flips if he's convicted. In that poll, Biden would lead slightly 47 to 46%. And then there's a YouGov poll shows Biden leading 46 to 39% if Trump's convicted of a serious crime. The authors, former House Judiciary Committee Special Counsel Eisen, formerly led pollster for Biden's 2020 campaign, and campaign advisor Shenko Osorio says, this shows that Americans care about our freedoms, especially the freedom to cast our votes, have them counted, and ensure that the will of the voters prevails. They are leery of entrusting the Oval Office to someone who, who abused his power by engaging in a criminal conspiracy to deny or take away those freedoms, he wrote. Of course, what you just heard. This is the New York Times, the way they operate. They should start any paragraph when they're talking about Donald Trump in an election setting, they should start it with this sentence. You idiots, you. Don't you know? everybody's leery of entrusting the Oval Office to someone who abused his power by engaging in a criminal conspiracy to deny or take away those freedoms. Well, you want me to play one more time? It would be about the 50th time I played an audio bite that 18 leading Democrats in both the Senate and the House When they come back to confirm the vote on previous elections, 18 of them stood to their feet and demanded that the U.S. Congress forget about the votes of the people and throw the Republican that won that election out just because they're an election, they're a Republican. They continued with their story. They noted that the effect is likely greater in swing states, Those are often places where a greater number of conflicted and therefore persuadable voters reside. An October times CNN poll shows voters in the battleground states of Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, and Pennsylvania favored Trump, with Biden narrowly winning Wisconsin. But if Mr. Trump is convicted and sentenced, Mr. Biden would win each of those states, according to the poll. Special counsel Jack Smith has sought to maintain Trump's March 4th trial date from continuing to file documents on deadlines suspended by the district judge to asking the Supreme Court to consider Trump's presidential immunity appeal before the D.C. court had a chance to weigh in. The justices rejected his request for them to quickly take up the question. They did that on Friday. By the way, the DC Court of Appeals is slated to hear oral arguments for Trump's appeal on January the 9th. You know, normally we would say, let's let everything play out, let's let it play out. Oh, not this case. We can't. We can't take any chance, any possible way. We got to stop it if we can for Donald Trump to be elected, even if we have to find things and kind of change them a little bit if necessary, you know, we can make a a professional boo-boo when we report. In just a minute, you're going to hear another example of how this stuff, I'm talking about these people going crazy about finding ways to keep Trump from getting a presidency again. Let me give you another example. Jack Smith, this um, special counsel. First of all, he's very unreputable. He's got tons of cases in his rearview mirror where he's just got popped to pieces in appeals for cases that he's taken. That's probably why he was the one here. Well, guess what he's done now? He's filed a motion to bar Trump from telling the jury that his prosecution, Donald Trump's prosecution, is politically motivated. (laughs) Everything negative about Trump is politically motivated. Smith urged the judge that's overseeing Trump's election interference case not to allow Trump to tell the jury the prosecution is politically motivated like they don't know that already. Trump's claim that the indictment was directed by the current president as a form of election interference is both wrong and irrelevant, Smith argued in a 20-page filing, telling that judge, Tanya Chutkin, they would be prejudicial if presented to the jury. Smith also asked Chutkin to bar Trump from introducing evidence relating to agency preparation for and responses to January 6th. Undercover agents at the Capitol and allegations of foreign influence. Now, listen to that. <laughs> we don't want to let Donald Trump exercise his First Amendment rights, but Judge, Judge Chutkin, we want you not to let Trump speak because it would be prejudicial if it was presented to the jury. Then why even have a trial. Why have a jury if you don't want to let them hear both sides and you don't trust them to make an adjudicated thought through decision on their own? Isn't that what we do in the United States? And oh, by the way, Mr. Smith, I know the one battle that you did that you thought was so successful when you threw the governor of Virginia out of office and threw him in prison And then the U.S. Supreme Court came back and unanimously told you, you can't do that, idiot. None of it was true. That's the way you roll. And you think because you've done it before that just because it's Trump and every judge hates Donald Trump, she'll go against legal precedent. I'm sure she will. She'll do anything I want her to do. Following his indictment in this district, the defendant has made unsupported and politicized claims of selective and vindictive prosecution, indicated that he intends to explore irrelevant issues related to the government's investigation, and complained that the grand jury's indictment in the court's trial date will interfere with his political activities. That's in Smith's filing. None of these issues, none of these issues, he said, goes to the defendant's guilt or innocence. All of them should be excluded. So in other words, Jack knows everything Trump is claiming. Oh, it's false. We want you to just trust me. I think it's false. Judge, you don't even need to hear any of this, nor does the jury. So let's stop him from exercising two things the First Amendment rights, and that he's innocent until proven guilty. Smith filed this motion yesterday. Despite Chutkin's December 13th order, remember this? That order pauses all the proceedings until Trump's presidential immunity appeal is resolved. Chutkin denied Trump's bid to dismiss his case based on any presidential immunity, That was early this month, prompting him to appeal it to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, which will hear oral arguments on that issue in January, January 9th. So, among other things, Smith wants Trump to be barred from raising to the jury. You're going to love this. Agency prep for January 6th. Trump wants to find out what the agencies, the Biden agencies, did to prep for January 6th. Uh, Were there any undercover agents in the January 6th crowd? We already know that's absolutely true. Steve Baker, he gave us uncontroverted evidence that proves it. More stuff he wants to talk about in the the trial. Alleged foreign influence in 2020. Oh, and cross-examining cues Questions to witnesses that might infringe on valid privileges. Now, last Friday, Supreme Court denied Smith's attempt to go around the appeals court and have the Supreme Court justices rule on the issue without the lower court even weighing in. Smith also asked the judge to stop Trump's lawyers from using cross-examination to elicit protected information from witnesses without receiving clearance in advance. Allowing the defendant to question witnesses about information for which a witness either must or would be likely to assert a privilege in open court in front of the jury runs the risk of unfairly and improperly suggesting to the jury that the witness lacks candor in presenting to the jury otherwise inadmissible evidence, he wrote. I thought you were representing representing the people. And if they asked this question, Smith, wouldn't you rise and object? And the judge would ask you why you don't want that to be happening, and you explain it, and then the judge understand and make a ruling? Are you scared the facts are going to come out and you're going to look like a fool again, Jack? I mean, folks, these people are scared to death that Donald Trump is going to not be thrown in jail. They don't want him to not run. They want him to go to jail for life So they never have to hear or even think about him again. To them, they want him to be nothing more than the orange man. From McAllen, Texas to Berlin, Germany, the universal language is truth on TNN, the Truth News Network.
1: I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef.
2: Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr.
5: Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo! But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I
2: mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways, fancy prance, you heard? Yeah... Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing. None of this makes sense.
0: forget about it, there will not be a TNN Live on Monday. We don't miss many days, but uh, we're, we're going to take Monday off. We'll be back in the saddle on Tuesday and every other Monday through Friday going forward. We're going to start the year together on January 2nd, next Tuesday. And it'll take me months to get to where I can write when I write a note or date or even write a check to change the year to 2024 i do that every year be honest i bet you do too i told you a bit ago before we left the trump stuff i wanted you to hear from constitutional expert attorney jonathan turley along with kaylee mckinney now you may remember kaylee is only being trump's press agent white house uh communicator press secretary i don't like to use the term secretary to me sometimes it sounds demeaning but what you may not know is she is a um, harvard graduate and an accomplished attorney in herself so the pair getting together you get some good ideas and thoughts kaylee mckinney with jonathan turley on the latest trump stuff
6: here now with reaction is fox news contributor jonathan turley Jonathan Turley, we expected this appeal. I I have the writ of cert for the Supreme Court right here in front of me. And many of the bases you and I discussed are the arguments of the Republican Party. They say Section 3 of the 14th Amendment is not self-executing. And they say that President Trump, as a president, does not fall under the text of this amendment. What do you think?
0: They're talking about the Republican Party of Colorado filing an emergency writ with the U.S. Supreme Court which kind of shocked a lot of people. But I think you'll understand when you hear Turley and Kaylee go forward with this explanation, it makes a lot of sense.
3: Well, it's a very strong appeal. It's frankly the moment that many of us have been waiting for. Uh, for months, this dangerous theory has been replicated throughout the country as challengers try to find a judge or a court uh, that will give credence to this theory. Uh, many of us believe that it's fundamentally wrong from historical and the legal perspective. Uh, but they finally found four justices uh, in Colorado that were willing to do this. Now, that court had seven democratically appointed justices, and three of them refused to sign on with this and said that it was clearly wrong. But they were able to eke out a 4-3 win in Colorado, that is now an outlier. You know, you have the Michigan Supreme Court following other courts in refusing to disqualify the former president. So it is ripe for the Supreme Court to review. There's a conflict among the states, and there's a very weighty issue here, uh, obviously, uh, for the country.
6: It is. And you look over at Michigan, one of the big victories there, and you pointed this out on Twitter, now known as X, that Democrats actually helped to stop Trump from being removed from the ballot. These are judges, justices appointed by Democrats.
3: Right. And I think that's important to remind people, because in this age of rage, uh, we often make assumptions about people that we don't agree with. And it's important to note. That this theory has been rejected in various states by Democratic judges, judges appointed uh, by Democratic governors or or judges that are in fact Democrats who ran for office. Um, They showed that they could resist temptation, that they have greater fealty to the Constitution uh, than they do their own views and own political uh, preferences. So the question now is, will the Supreme Court intervene? I believe it, it will. What's interesting about this filing is it doesn't raise uh, the right to free speech, and it does not raise the factual determination that, that this was an insurrection. Uh, that will be raised, presumably, in later appeals. But instead, they're focusing on the threshold issues of the removal of this name from the ballot. I think it's a very strong appeal.
6: Professor Turley, I have just a moment here, but should the Supreme Court take this and rule on this? Is this the biggest case pertaining to a presidential election since Bush v. Gore?
3: Yes, and it's a very important uh, point to raise. Bush v. Gore was destructive for the court in many respects. Many of the justices spent years trying to repair the divisions on the court itself. I think that the chief justice is going to try to get a unanimous decision here. I hope that it can speak with one voice, and that voice should be to reject Colorado's decision and to protect our democratic values, to show the public that the court itself is divided ideologically, but they remain unified on these basic values that define us.
0: So here we are, we're getting these opinions from some very knowledgeable, learned constitutional attorneys on the rule of law as it pertains to these crazy attempts to stop a person from running to be president that especially has a whole lot of support across the nation. And they want you to forget about, not even think about the rule of law and the constitution and the structure of of a representative republic slash democracy that they want us to think, oh, everything we're doing is totally democratic, even though what we're doing in this thing is trying to get people not to be able to vote for Donald Trump. Remember, 80 million did last time. That's a lot of people to say, nah, we don't think you should be able to vote for the person you want to be president. Why? because we're going to keep him from being able to run for that office. That sounds to me like a little totalitarian slash authoritarian slash dictatorish. Kind of like, oh, I don't know, Nicaragua, Venezuela, countries like that, that we get after, our leadership, Joe Biden included, Barack Obama. They were all over these dictators down there. Why? You've got to let, in a republic in a democracy you've got to let the people vote for the people they want to serve in office and then they're doing exactly what the dictators are doing down there and they want us to think that oh that's okay don't don't do what we do do what we say that's democracy there's so many moving parts in the oblivion called the Joe Biden administration. I don't know of a single sector of operating this administration that's going smoothly according to the rule of law. Every day something pops up again, like we hadn't even talked about it. Israel, Hamas, and what's going on over there? And by the way, it's not just Israel and Hamas. It's Israel, Hamas, Iran, Hezbollah, the United States of America, the Houthi rebels, the jihadists of Iraq and Syria. We're getting into conflagrations with everybody over there. Now, wait a minute. We're not at war, are we? No. No, we're not. But we sent our own military members to locations, our locations, military locations across parts of Syria and Iraq. And guess what's happening? Those people over there that hate us, they're attacking our people 103 times since October the 7th when Hamas started this genocide against the Israeli people, 103 times Now, we were told, oh, nobody got seriously hurt, injured, or whatever. That's a lie. We have quite a few of those people in the early attacks that have permanent brain damage. In the 103rd such attack, we have one American military member that was seriously injured. And what are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? We're doing nothing about it. How do you think we're supposed to be under the protection of the smartest military leaders on the planet? The most cognitive members of our political class at understanding how putting all of the pieces together. And they tell us we're doing it every day. And then we have, here's another little kink in this whole thing. Kim Jong-un. He's in the news again today. That's that nut job in North Korea. He's ordered his country's military, munitions industry, and nuclear weapons sector to get ready for war following what he called unprecedented and confrontational moves by the United States. This came out this morning. Speaking on the policy directions for the new year at a key meeting of the country's ruling party on Wednesday, Kim said Pyongyang would expand strategic cooperation with anti-imperialist independent countries. (laughs) Who are those anti-imperialist independent countries? Anybody that doesn't like us. North Korea has been expanding ties with Russia, we know that, among others. Washington accuses Pyongyang of supplying military equipment to Moscow for use in its war with Ukraine, while Russia provides technical support to help the North advance its military capabilities. Kim Jong-un set forth the Militant Task For the People's Army and the munitions industry, nuclear weapons, and civil defense sectors to further accelerate preparations for war. On Thursday, early this morning, our time, South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol visited a frontline military unit in the eastern county of Yongchun to inspect its defense posture and call for an immediate retaliation, if there was any provocation, from North Korea, I urge you to immediately and firmly crush the enemy's will for a provocation on the spot. Now, this is the South Korean president. He was speaking to his military leaders. During the party plenum, North Korea's Kim also laid out economic goals for the new year. He called it a decisive year to accomplish the country's five-year development plan, He clarified the important task for the new year to be dynamically pushed forward to the key industrial sectors called for stabilizing the agricultural production on a high level. Now that sounds benign. I mean, that's what leaders are supposed to do, right? The North, just so you know it, has suffered horrible food shortages in recent decades, including a real famine in the 90s, often as a result of natural disasters there. International experts have warned that border closures during the COVID-19 pandemic worsened North Korea's food security. Their crop output was estimated to have increased year on year in 2023 due to favorable weather. But a Seoul official has said the amount was still far below what is needed to address the country's chronic food shortages. At the same time, Kim Jong-un has urged women to have more kids amid a plateauing birth rate. A transcript of his speech shows he also urged parents to flog their kids, that means whip them, and instruct them towards jobs in the army or hard labor in the name of toughening up a jaded and stagnant population. We're talking about Kim Jong-un, Why would this little round man, and he's not, if you've seen any pictures of ladies, gotten really, really fat. Why would these people in Iran, in Lebanon, in Gaza, in Syria, in Iraq, in Yemen, the Houthi rebels, and Kim Jong-un, why would they all of a sudden, every one of them, be out flexing their muscles and spitting on the great Satan. That's the United States of America. And by the way, in collusion with each other, they've done that 103 times, attacking the great Satan in our military bases. Why have they done it? Because they know Joe Biden will not do anything. the South Korean president, Yoon Suk-yeol. I want you to listen. I gave you, I, I quoted him just a minute ago. I want you to hear what he said to his entire military and compare it to what our president is saying every time he gets on the microphone about these attacks when he's asking, what are you going to do, Mr. Biden? South Korean president, Yoon suk Yo who is just below, and all the South Korean people, just below the border with this stupid military sycophant who thinks he can control the world, Kim Jong-un. So you know he knows what reality is and how to handle it. Here's what he said to his people. I urge you to immediately and firmly Crush the enemy's will for a provocation on the spot. Talking to his own military, telling everybody around him that would consider attacking them, you touch us, you die. They're not hearing that or anything like that from the President of the United States, are they? They feel like our president is scared, too scared to take any kind of action to stop what they're doing to us. They're shooting at ships every day. They're doing everything they can to enhance and increase the war in the Middle East. And they're not afraid of the United States at all anymore. This is dangerous stuff. This needs to be thought about. The American people need to realize. This is a really big
5: deal. So as the war in Gaza expands, the U.S. is responding to attacks on U.S. forces in the region. The Navy shooting down 17 drones and missiles over the Red Sea launched from Iran-backed rebels. Joining me now is a man who knows the dangers of the sea better than anyone, former USS Cole Commander Kirk Leopold. First, thank you for your service, uh, as always. Appreciate it. Um, You know, these ships patrolling the seas, it's a coalition of nine countries— Is that enough to cover? Well, I guess first, let's start with 17 missiles. Were they testing the system of that coalition?
3: I
4: think what you're actually seeing is through the Houthi rebels, which is an Iranian proxy group, Iran is learning with every shot what we are doing to defend not only our Navy ships and the ships in the coalition, but also these merchant vessels as well. Every time they do that, they learn more about what tactics, techniques and procedures could be used. That in the event the conflict were to expand, how would they react in shutting down the Strait of Hormuz right. to affect the world's oil supply?
5: So Maersk, a shipping company, as well as a French company are now looking to bring their ships back through the Red Sea. It looks on a map like a small piece of water but it's actually very big can these nine countries spread out ships to to handle all of the area of that
4: first and foremost they shouldn't have to be over there spreading out to cover anything to begin with we are not solving the problem we are going after the symptom instead we are in a reactive mode and instead we should have number one we should be targeting the Houthis and eliminating their ability to project any kind of missiles or threats into the Strait of Red, the, the Red Sea, the Strait of Bab el mandeb and the Gulf of Aden. Then we need to be looking at what Iran is in doing itself. So, yeah, I was
5: going to ask you about that. So this is reactive. That we're, we're looking basically a shield as the missiles come in. You know, why not strike? We, we must know where they come from, where the drones are launched from.
4: Oh, we do. And we are gaining intelligence to put together a good strike package. I think we already have that. Why the Biden administration is hesitating is beyond me. When you look at it, we are not only reacting, but we are only doing proportional. Right now, deterrence has failed for the United States and every country that is involved with this coalition. Many of them purposely chose not to put their ships or forces under any kind of U.S. control, and that in and of itself means the coalition is failing from the beginning because they're serving their own national interests first instead of the broader goal of protecting all those ships going through there, whether they are Maersk or MSC or others.
5: That's very interesting. So I, I want to ask you about the missiles coming in. Should one of those missiles hit a container ship or hit a U.S. military ship, could it bring them down?
4: There is quite a possibility, depending on how well the crew is trained with damage control and the ability to respond. Again, we don't want to get to that point. Being in a reactive mode is also dangerous. While none of our ships at sea have been hit, we have to remember, in the broader part of the conflict, we are seeing, in fact, that these groups are injuring U.S. service personnel, including one critically in Iraq. And at the end of the day, the last thing that the president and Secretary of Defense Austin should want is a photo op at Dover Air Force force-based, welcoming back flag-draped caskets. We can't afford that as a nation, and at some point, we must begin to be proactive and start holding Iran accountable for these malign activities throughout the Middle East. So the Houthis have been
5: attacking for weeks. Um, Was this Operation Prosperity Guardian a little bit late?
4: It absolutely was. When the first shots went off, we should have immediately figured out a way to strike back and tell them no. If you want to engage in these types of activities and endanger and give Iran the opportunity to learn what they call those TTPs, we should have shut it off immediately. The fact that we didn't either indicates we didn't have the forces and intelligence available to put together a strike package or worse, we had it and have chose not to do anything about it.
5: You know, the type of weapons they're using, does that concern you? A ballistic missile, uh, it seems that's an, an increase, uh, um, an escalation in itself. It
4: it is, but again, a ballistic missile is not going to have the kind of accuracy that they would if they were actually shooting shore-based anti-ship missiles that had a seeker on it that would be able to specifically target a ship when it picked it up on its own internal radar, for example. But the fact that they are shooting, if one of those ballistic missiles were to hit a ship or a U.S. Navy ship, then unfortunately, yeah, you would probably lose that ship.
5: Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate you, Commander. I appreciate it. Thank you for your insight, your help. This is something that's not going to go away.
4: No, Thank fun truly not.
5: Thank yeah. you.
0: No, it's not going to go away. President Biden and his advisors they are hoping it will, and they're trying to convince everybody else that it will. So what is our military working on? Got to remind you of some things. Who are the players in this? Hmm. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. What about him? If you're not a regular on this show, let me tell you, his history over the last, oh, I don't know, 10, 15 years, he was the head of CENTCOM. CENTCOM is the aggregated group of localities in the Middle East and Northern Africa that that particular CENTCOM takes care of all of our military activities there. That's where Lloyd Austin was. Now, what happened on his watch there? Well, we had the Benghazi debacle. We had the Syria debacle where Basr Assad, the president of Syria, was gassing his own people. And there were some Syrian rebels that were trying to take Basr Assad out of control of the government over there, and they were looking for aid. So what did we do? We stepped up to help those people because Barack Obama got on national television twice— the first time he called out Basra Assad for gassing his own people. The second time he got on television and said, that's my red line, Mr. Assad. If you do it again, that's my red line. You will regret it. Basar Assad did it again because he knew Barack Obama wasn't gonna do anything there. Hillary Clinton was part of that deal with those Syrian rebels, and so they decided hey, 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 we're going to help these guys. So we surreptitiously gave them money. Lloyd Austin was part of this decision. We gave them those arms that they needed to take Assad out. Well, they didn't take Assad out. You know why? Because they had other plans. You know who that was? That was the beginning of ISIS. Lloyd Austin, Hillary Clinton the Secretary of State, Joe Biden as vice president, Barack Obama as president, created ISIS with our military weaponry and our money. And then there was Benghazi. When all of that came up, our great thinkers in our military, they did not take any action. In fact, we had SEAL Team 6 people in the air flying When Benghazi was under attack, our consulate, those four great Americans that got slaughtered over there in Benghazi, waiting for then head of CENTCOM, now Secretary of Defense, to give the go so they could land and go save those people. And he wouldn't even let them land. Those are the people that are running the ship called the United States of America in the Middle East today, and they're doing nothing. They're not standing up to the tyrants over there, any part of the world outside our borders. They're not standing up to anybody here. Mass rampant criminality. Terrorists flooding across our southern border. How many and what are their plans? We don't know. We have no idea. And so they just sit and idle and do nothing the car is not moving as far as the United States government is concerned but it's moving in every other part of the world and it's not good you remember I told you at the top of the show that during the show today I was going to give you a little opinion Dan opinion about some very serious things that are in the wind here's what I am confident we are looking down the throat of. We are going to experience domestically, which means within the borders of the United States, we are going to see a terrorist and foreign nation supported insurrection on our shores that will make 9-11 look like a picnic. Do I know something? Look, all I can do is what you can do yourself. Put circumstances together. Watch and listen to what our leaders are doing and saying, and then put that in the context of what they're not doing, and then look at what's happening simultaneously. We know for a fact, on Biden's watch at our southern border, more than 200 terrorists from around the world on our on-terrorist watch list have slipped into the United States. You know what they won't tell us? They won't say this, but we know it because they won't tell us. They have no idea where they are or what they're doing. Well, you think, 200, we have, you know, 330-some-odd Americans, you know, 200 guys can't do anything. 19 of them brought the Twin Towers down in New York City and killed 3,000 Americans in one day. That's here. What else could be happening around the world? Well, look for yourself. 103 attacks on our military members in the Middle East since October 7th, and we have retaliated and stopped it. Let me put that in the context of what history has done, recent history, and our leaders. Just one leader, Donald Trump. Iran captured an American journalist, and they killed him. They were warned before that happened by Donald Trump. And when they did that, Trump told them, he literally told them, I told you not to do that. You're going to pay a price. And he took out Soleimani, the general that ran and for years devised all the plans for the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. That's where the bad guys live in that Part of their military, they're the ones that go out and commit jihad and destroy innocent people. Soleimani has—I don't know—I don't know how many scouts he had on his belt of even American people. He was known around the world to be the number one leader and perpetrator of terrorism across the world. We took him out. Donald Trump took him out. How many more issues did we have with Iran after that? Not any. Not any at all. No threats or anything. Nothing was done. Until Joe Biden became president. And look at what Iran has funded in attacks and stuff against us, our allies around the world, and what's Joe Biden done. Well, he had a great Christmas weekend and Camp David came back to the White House overnight and then got on a plane headed to St. Croix for 10 days. He's having great vacations. Meanwhile, his minions are out there and they're doing everything they can in a united effort to do one thing, stop Donald Trump from going back to the White House Let me give you another little piece of information that's out there that you probably won't hear anywhere else. And it has to do with the Donald Trump Department of Justice in conjunction with what's happening and been happening down at our southern border. Listen to this. The FBI under Christopher Ray today possesses over 13.9 million records. 13.9 million those records are tied to illegal aliens in a database used to run background checks on individuals that are seeking to purchase firearms. 13.9 million. The FBI maintains this National Instant Criminal Background Check System called NICS, ICS. It's a database of records of individuals who are disqualified from buying a firearm. As of October 31st, there were 13,925,469 records in NICs of illegal, unlawful aliens that have applied to be able to legally get a gun. The more than 13. million indices involved in illegal aliens in the NICS database represents unique prohibiting events like an arrest, a conviction, or a commitment to a mental institution, and not just unique individuals. The NICS indices contain descriptive information of individuals identified as being prohibited from receiving a firearm-related permit based on federal or state firearm prohibitions. An individual is entered into the NICS indices based on each prohibiting event. If there's more than one prohibiting event, then a person could have multiple entries in the NICS indices. A new entry into that database is triggered by a prohibiting event, which, depending on the jurisdiction, could be an arrest, a conviction, the issuance of a disqualifying protective order, an involuntary commitment to a mental institute, etc. Between November of 1988 and November of this year, there were 48,000 denials of firearms purchases to illegal unlawful aliens involving this database. ICE and Customs and Border Protection contribute 99.5% of the information on the records of illegal aliens in NICs. Others can come from state and local agencies. A 2018 GAO noted report that making false written statements on an ATF firearms purchase background check form is a felony under federal law. We know that intimately because Hunter Biden's guilty of that. He was a known drug addict. And he lied about that on that background check. So, we know what it is. The same report showed that in cases where individuals were denied a firearm, few have faced any prosecution. In fiscal year 2017, NICS checks resulted in roughly 112,000 denials, which only led to 12 prosecutions by June of 2018. Federal and selected state law enforcement agencies that process firearm-related background checks through the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, NICS, collectively investigate and prosecute a very small percentage of individuals who falsify information on one of these firearms farms, do not disclose a felony conviction or something like that. They're denied a purchase. The number of illegal immigrants coming into this country through the southern border has hit record levels according to federal data. Border Patrol recorded more than 2.2 million migrant encounters in fiscal year 2022 at the border, and more than $2 million in fiscal year 2023. With that, there's concern that migrants coming to the U.S. illegally could still get their hands on a gun through a licensed firearm dealer. If there's no record of an illegal alien in the NICS database, a firearm could be sold If the individual lies about their immigration status on their application, which is a felony, of course, and or may possess an ID from a state that allows non-citizens to obtain driver's licenses, like uh, California, uh, like uh, New York, as long as you have a license and no history, you can buy guns. This is really an open door for terrorists and those wishing to do us harm to be able to acquire firearms. You put all of that in context, folks. I'm not, as I said, making a prophecy. I'm not saying this is absolutely going to happen, but why couldn't it? Worse yet, why wouldn't it? Those 200-plus terrorists that are known to be somewhere in the United States, we don't know where they are. We don't know what they're doing. But why would they be on our terrorist watch list unless they're terrorists? And why would any terrorist want to come to the United States where law enforcement is pretty stiff, very relaxed in comparison to former law enforcement operations in our earlier days, earlier years in the 2000s than it is today. We know that. But why would they want to come here? Do you think they want to come here to find better circumstances for themselves and their family members? I kind of doubt it. Real terrorists, especially those from the Middle East and some of the South African nations over there and Central America, they hate the United States, they hate Americans. I would venture a guess that less than 1% of those 200 plus terrorists and any other terrorists that have slipped through without being reported or discovered, less than 1% of them would have any kind of positive feeling for the United States and for the Americans for a number of reasons but those people are taught from birth, especially the Islamist, the jihadist Islamists, the ones that from birth are taught, we're the infidel. Anybody that's not Muslim on the earth, you're an infidel. I'm an infidel. I'm a Christian. So what are they taught in the Quran, their Bible? Convert the infidel That would mean get us to convert from Christianity to become a Muslim, and if we don't agree to do it and do it, kill them. You can't give it a soft landing. I can't today. But it's something we all not only need to think about, we need to pray about. I predict unless God intervenes and our leaders in Washington and other places around the world start paying attention and not just looking at circumstances, doing something about circumstances and better quickly start comporting to the rule of law and finding and rounding up people that are wrongdoers, illegal, doing Illegal things, even if their being here is the only illegal thing they've done. We need to start, in every case, holding people accountable to the rule of law. And even with that, folks, it may be too late to make the change.
4: You do your thing,
0: and you do it well. Now, it's time to do it bigger. It's time for Shopify. Shopify makes it easy to set up your online store, expand into new sales channels, and bring your brand into the real world. Get everything you need to launch your business today with Shopify.
5: Your true friends are the people in your life that totally get your inside jokes, your unique style, most important, what you want to eat. Taco Bell knows that when you get together with your real friends, it doesn't matter what you're doing, but, hey, it might as well be something that everybody can get into, like the Taco and Burrito Cravings Pack with four crunchy tacos and four beefy five-layer burritos. So even if you're all sitting around doing absolutely nothing, you know you'll still have a good time. It's Taco Bell's Taco and Burrito Cravings Pack. Get it for the friends that get it for a limited time at participating Taco Bell locations
3: near you.
2: He sits in judgment, he stands for the law, kinda looks like a hero and sounds like your paw.
3: Wapner
2: He smiles and he laughs, his voice tinged with gravel, but the bad guys gasp when he bangs his big gavel. Wapner! Judge Wapner. Judge Wapner
0: When neighbors brawl, when lovers refute, when suppliers and buyers and liars dispute. Wapner won't let those law books get dusty. Got a
2: buddy named Doug and a sidekick named Rusty. Rusty. With Wapner. Judge Wapner. Doesn't do it from towers, doesn't do it from steeples. He does it in court. A court call people's. Wapner. People's Court. Judge Wapner. Call him your honor. Judge Wapner. Judge Wapner rules on the people's court. Song over. Song over.
0: In the clown car of the Deep State, you will never find a greater den of scum and villainy. You need a hero. Here again, blaster in hand, is Dan Newman. My blaster is powerful. (laughs) The only blaster I have, folks, is the spoken word and treat the truth does a lot of really good good when it's enacted and enacted upon. And telling you what I did earlier, in fact, just in the last few minutes, it's not to make anybody be afraid. It may be simply to get us all to consider and think it through and go to our knees and pray. This is a nation founded on biblical principles. I don't care what anybody else says. You can try to diminish that, but it absolutely is. I can read, I can look back at the people that founded this nation that came here to get away from government top-down ruling of citizenry to not do What is happening in this nation today, which is taking us away from government of the people, by the people, and for the people, which is the way it's been for 240 years, and take us back where a small group of people at the top of the government control every part of our lives. And that means even if and when we know bad things are out there in our nation, we see it we don't have the right to do anything. All we can do is try to vote for and get the people that are best suited to honor the rule of law and support our U.S. Constitution and the liberty that comes with it and also the responsibility that comes with it. That's all we can do. But getting or trying to force somebody to do something, we can't do that. Meanwhile another one of the uh, egregious industrial complex departments of our government, the Centers for Disease Control, they got, the CDC got exactly what they wanted for Christmas. What was that? Nationwide data shows sky-high levels of the latest COVID-19 strain, and you know where they're finding it? In our water supply. All winter, the CDC and the FDA have been using the new contagious JN1 variant to push their World Economic Forum endorsed policies. Now, this should be scary, too. Whether we're supposed to be eating outdoors for the holidays or getting a combined flu plus COVID shot, the actual truth, is far more troubling. Here's what they're not telling us. Unsurprisingly, the biggest COVID-related story was completely buried by the mainstream media. Despite vaccine status, repeat infections of COVID may actually compound negative effects. Do repeat COVID infections increase the risk of severe disease or long covid we're told that many repeat infections are mild, but some studies suggest people who have been infected with COVID more than once are at a greater risk of severe disease or long COVID. The most important thing you can do is be prepared ahead of time. And there are kits out there, medical emergency kits that you can buy. I'm not going to I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm not at all, but if you're concerned about it, you've had COVID multiple times, talk to your doctor and ask, should I and where can I get one of the COVID medical emergency kits? Doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough, who's been on this show. He's one of the foremost COVID experts on the planet. Dr. Drew, Dr. Harvey Risch, Dr. Jim Tharp. Are regularly today in the media fighting against our broken medical establishment. Dr. Thorpe, one of the nation's leading critics of big pharma, believes that now more than ever people should be prepared for the next crisis. It's gonna come. We can't rely on our crumbling healthcare system to have our backs in an emergency. This is Dr. Thorpe speaking. He said, I've strongly recommended stockpiling critical medications for years like the meds found in medical emergency kits. Early intervention is key at the first sign of symptoms. Taking an active approach by being prepared for the next illness has helped his family, he said, tremendously. And by the way, these kits, they're produced by one particular company, and I'm not gonna give you the name of the company, But I suggest that in the wake of this just unbelievable revelation that there is massive amounts of this brand new COVID variant in the nation's water supply. We're not talking about panic or anything like that, but you need to talk to your doctor and just ask him, should we get one of these emergency medical kits? And he'll know about it. He or she will know about it. And even if it's something that they feel like your doctor feels, not like, feels like is not critical, wouldn't it be nice to know that the guy that has been over your medical condition and treatment for years knows what's best for you and we don't have to wait for some political pundit that is doing nothing but feeding their wants and desires and tell you that it's facts. We live through too much of that. We don't need it again. Your doctor knows what's best for you, not somebody from the U.S. government. I promise you. Check it out. Ask about this going on and ask about this very contagious strain of COVID, JN1 variant, JN1 variant, and what preventive work you can do to get ready for it. I don't know if you heard or not, not former First Lady Melania Trump, you know, she wasn't with her Trump family for the holidays, and the left, they just went crazy. Oh, they're divorcing and all that kind of stuff. She didn't appear in the Christmas photo that featured members of the Trump family. Media, anti-Trumpers were thirsty for another scandal, which there haven't been any Biden family scandals. They make them up they noticed that Melania was not included in the Trump family Christmas photos. Some of them claim this was further proof that Melania is unhappy with Donald and she's leaving his sign. Let's save time here. Maybe Melania took the picture, right? Sure, that's not too normal for this family. Melania was probably sick. No mention of her illness from anyone, including the person who posted the photo It's not a family photo, it's just a photo. That's just kind of one thought. Melania doesn't want anything to do with Trump, one ex-user commented. As another one said, dude, can't even fix his marriage, but don't worry, he can definitely fix the country. The picture shows most of Trump's family, although Eric Trump's family is absent. Melania's father, Victor Novs, is included in the Mar-a-Lago photo, it was shared by Kimberly Guilfoyle, former Fox on-air talent. She's engaged to Donald Trump Jr. But the rumors have been put to rest. Never Trump's speculation was wrong. Melania spent Christmas with her mother, who is very ill. Melania has always been very devoted to her entire family It should be no surprise she spent this Christmas with her ailing mom who couldn't come to Mar-a-Lago. Further, spokesperson for Trump also affirmed Melania was what Page Six described as tending to a family matter. The outlet cited a source who said the presidential hopeful and his wife planned to step up top-tier diplomatic appearances in 2024. Well, about today, (laughs) it's been a hard one. But hey, if we don't talk about it, we don't think about it. And if we don't think about it, we don't do things to make sure we can mitigate the bad stuff, if we can. You guys have a great day. We're going to be back tomorrow morning. I'm hoping we're going to have a special guest. I'm not going to tell you who, but it's somebody you'll know and like. See you then.